This is Healthcare's Missing Logic, podcast number 186. Today, our special guest is Dr. Sasha Shilkut. She's a cardiac anesthesiologist and author of the book, Brave Boundaries. She is a rebel with a cause, and you're not going to want to miss this one. Welcome back to Healthcare's Missing Logic podcast. This is the only podcast that shows you how to leverage polarity intelligence, an essential competency for healthcare leaders and the missing logic in healthcare, so you can create healthy healing organizations and become a thriving, resilient, and unstoppable healthcare leader. We are your hosts, Tracy Christofferson and Michelle Troset. We've been best friends and colleagues for over 30 years. And during that time, we coached healthcare leaders across North America around how to create healthy healing organizations. Today, we coach healthcare leaders and leadership teams to live thriving, resilient, and balanced lives, combat burnout, and create the best places to give and receive care. This podcast is for the unsung hero of healthcare, the healthcare leader. We want you to know we see you and we'll be here for you each week. In this podcast, we're going to challenge healthcare's industry norms, flip limiting beliefs, and share proven strategies so you can be your best self at working at home, live and lead intentionally, and experience well-being and joy. We are glad you are here and look forward to sharing the journey with you. If you aren't totally convinced this podcast is for you, just listen to a few episodes and convince yourself. Well, welcome to another episode of Healthcare's Missing Logic Podcast. We're so glad you're here. This is Michelle. And I'm Tracy. And we're back in the studio talking to amazing people. Yeah. How lucky are we? I know. I feel that all the time. I mean, oh my gosh. We're having awesome conversations with incredible leaders and my mind is full. (laughs) My heart is full. Really feeds your soul. Yeah, and today we had the great opportunity to interview Dr. Sasha Shilkut, who we've been watching her, and she's out there working with leaders on, you know, they're on just really being healthy and living their true, authentic selves and setting up boundaries. And so we had her on our show today. Yeah, she's got a great story, and mm-hmm. uh, and she's learned a lot from personal experience. Um, and she's working with a lot of uh, physician, women physicians. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, just, a, just a, a, a bright spot in the earth. Yes. Really kind of shining her light and her experiences and about setting boundaries, creating boundaries and honoring those boundaries, boy. Yeah. And teaching us how to do it too. Yeah. And she's got a great book with lots of information in it. And so we had a wonderful interview and conversation. And so let me introduce you further to Dr. Sasha Shilkut. She is a tenured endowed professor and the vice chair of strategy in the Department of Anesthesiology at the University of Nebraska Medical Center in Omaha, Nebraska. Sasha is CEO and founder of Brave Enough a well-published researcher in cardiac anesthesiology and gender equity, author and international speaker. Sasha has taught thousands of women to achieve work-life control through her courses and conferences. She speaks frequently to executives and leaders on the topic of professional resilience and gender equity. 
Her TEDx talk titled Resilience, the Art of Failing Forward has been viewed by thousands of people. Her writing has been published in both the prestigious New England Journal of Medicine and JAMA. She leads conferences and retreats for professional women through her organization, Brave Enough, and a best-selling author, her first book, Between Grit and Grace, How to Be Feminine and Formidable, has sold thousands of copies, and her second book, Brave Boundaries, Strategies to Say No, Stand Strong, and Take Control of Your Time was released in September of 2022. So without further ado, here's our interview with Sasha. Well, welcome, Sasha, to Healthcare's Missing Logic Podcast. We're so excited to have you on our show today. Yes. Well, thank you for having me. I'm honored to be here and just spend the next few minutes chatting with both of you. Oh, yeah. We're so looking forward to this conversation. Yes, we are. And for our listeners and for those of you that are watching on YouTube, Dr. Sasha Shilcutt is the author of Brave Boundaries, which you know Tracy and I talk a lot about. And uh, it's an excellent book. So we're going to be chatting about that today. And to get started, Sasha, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about your journey out of burnout and discovering the significance of having boundaries in our life as busy leaders? You know, it's, it's a great question because it allows me to kind of explain why I wrote the book. I, like you, I'm a leader in healthcare and uh, I'm a cardiac anesthesiologist. I also have four kids at home. And I found myself early in 2013, really experiencing burnout at a level I didn't understand I was really burned out. I just knew that every day when I went to work, I didn't want to be there. And when I went home, I didn't want to be there. I, I didn't know. I felt like I was failing on all fronts. And so I write about that in my first book, Between Grit and Grace, and how I really came out of that and found my authentic voice. I started saying no to things. But then fast forward after I started my company, which helps other women overcome burnout in 2020, like many of us in healthcare, there was just unprecedented stress and things to do. And I thought, here I am supposed to have an answer for burnout, and I'm burned out again. I was embarrassed and ashamed, and here I was leading a large community of thousands of women doctors that really was supposed to help them not burn out, and I was burned out. And so what I recognized at that point was that I needed boundaries. I needed something that would allow good things in my life, my kids, my career, Mm -hmm. my community from becoming toxic or draining. And the key that I was missing were boundaries. I had really never understood the concept of boundaries. I thought they were for people that were maybe in a toxic relationship. And um, what I've learned is I think that most of the time, we need boundaries for ourselves because yeah. we can be in a toxic relationship with ourselves. We can be over-functioning, overworking, and not realizing that whatever good thing it may be, even something like this podcast, can become draining on us and negative for our health if we don't have boundaries. Yeah. I love how you bring that forth that, you know, this when we think about boundaries, we think about fences and keeping things out. But it's really about for us, right? And building up what is around us. And I love that. Yeah, it's for us, not, it's not about the other people. (laughs) 
<laughs> it's really right. about you, right? Yeah. And it's not really about hurting other people either oh. or being restrictive or being, you know, isolating yourself. It's just allows you to have a reality check on where you're putting your time and your energy. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So, so, so important. I just love it. And, you know, we work with healthcare leaders as well. And we're, we're teaching them how to create dynamic balance in their life. So we've had, you know, this belief that work-life balance isn't possible, that it's 50-50, you know, all the things around what balance actually means. And we're kind of reframing balance for healthcare leaders and that this really is dynamic. There are times in your life where you have to give more aspects of your life attention than at other times, but it's about those um you know, knowing and choosing where you're giving your attention and not letting go of everything else, right? And boundaries are so critical to that, um, both professional life and personal life, right? So what have you seen as some of the biggest barriers for healthcare leaders and establishing boundaries in their personal and professional lives? Like, you know, what's kind of, maybe what are some of the reasons they lack boundaries or what are the barriers for both? <laughs> they could be different, I suppose, right? Yeah. Most of us don't know as leaders that it is a boundary issue. We don't realize we need boundaries. We have a belief, especially in healthcare, which has a very altruistic mission of helping people at its very baseline, that the more we help people, the better we are, the better we are as an employee, as a leader. And therefore, we think that model means no boundaries. We don't even recognize that a boundary is, is something that is a positive needed, you know, piece of our weaponry really as leaders. It's part of our toolkit. So it's just a lack of awareness and knowledge on the subject. And then I think the most, the largest barriers to setting boundaries are not what we think. They aren't maybe our fellow coworkers or our supervisor or our administration. We think that's what they are, but the biggest boundaries are actually false narratives that we have learned. Like if I set a boundary here, I'm going to be seen as a less hardworking employee or colleague. If I set a boundary here, I'm going to hurt someone's feelings. Um, if I set a boundary here, I'm going to be seen as not committed to the work that I'm doing. So it's all of these false negatives and false narratives that we have created about ourselves or Quite frankly, I'm just too scared to set the boundary. I don't have the toolkit to do that. I don't know how to start the conversation. So there's a lot of internal barriers there. Most of the time when you set a barrier with someone at work or you set a boundary with someone at work, they're responsive to it. They might not understand it and you might have to do a little education, but most people are actually inspired by leaders who set mm -hmm. boundaries mm -hmm. because when a leader sets a boundary, they make it okay for you to set a boundary. Oh, they say, yeah. I want you to be well. I care more about you staying engaged in the company, staying engaged in the culture, than burning out and becoming disengaged. So I am going to respect your boundary. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's so true. We were just on a call this week with a leadership team and the the CNO said, yeah, I, I do not answer my phone. And like, I put my phone away at night. I don't respond to that. My time with my family is my time with my family. And another leader in the group said, wow, you just saying that gave me 
permission to do the same for myself, right? So, so I think that's so true. When other leaders take that stand, then others will go, well, okay, right? It's kind of that permission, even though mm-hmm. we really don't yes. need permission. <laughs> right, right. It's a, so it's like a domino mm-hmm. effect. It yep. starts with the leader, right? And I have found too... Um, I used to be really terrible at boundaries. Just ask Tracy. She used to tell me all the time, you got to say no more often. (laughs) And so it's a hard lesson to learn. But when I really started looking at my limiting beliefs or those false narratives that I used to have, and I would say no, but I'd back it up with my why. Let me tell you why I can't do this right now. Or people do respect that. Um, Mm -hmm. I think it'd be really powerful. And we just need to have more leaders doing that. Yeah, we do. Yes, yes. So you talk in your book about boundary backlash. And uh, tell our listeners a little bit about what that is like and what you mean by that term. Yeah, so oftentimes I coach mostly women physicians. And what I hear them say all the time is, teach me how to say no, but not hurt anybody's feelings or not upset the apple cart (laughs) or teach me how to set a boundary around unpaid work or work that is actually on someone else's job description, but not make anybody upset. (laughs) And I always say, well, you can't, you're asking for the impossible because there's always going to be a small amount of people when you say no, that they either don't understand, or you might even get projection of their anger or their frustration or their jealousy that you have set a boundary projected back onto you. And that is boundary backlash. And so we have to really talk about it and get it out there so that when you experience it, you don't automatically think something is wrong with you or that you approached it the wrong way or you didn't say the right thing. Because people that don't have boundaries in that area themselves will not understand your boundary. They, it's like foreign to them. And they might be shocked and they might attribute your why, as you explained, Shell, to something else. And so they're going to get angry. They might even project angry back, anger back at you. They may say something um, rude back at you. They might be passive aggressive. But that's a small percentage of those people. Mm-hmm. And we can't allow other people's reactions to mm-hmm. our boundaries yeah. from stopping us from setting them ourselves. Yeah, we're not responsible for other people's reactions. Correct. Right. We're only responsible for our own lives and how we put it forward in the first place, our intention and our communication that they're going to react whatever way they're going to react. Right. And and I think so. I think also, do you find, too, um, you know, when it comes to the fears that we have, like, you know, I think a lot of leaders are like, well, this could impact my job or this could right, negatively impact my future opportunities. Or do you do you coach people to stay true to the why, like to reconnect with the purpose and that isn't it better? Maybe that's not what you really want if it's going to impact your future. Like, how do you coach them through those kinds of Fears, I guess. Well, absolutely. I think fear is a a huge driving force. And you have to also recognize if you are someone who has never set boundaries in your workplace, it's going to feel really weird and awkward and funky to you. You're just going to be like, this does not feel right. And people, I'm disappointing people. So in order to really overcome those fears, you have to think about why you're setting the boundary. And, you know, we talk about work product 
and work, your work product is going to be so much more clear and improved when you have boundaries. We mm-hmm. tend to think being a good leader or good employee is, you know, doing 10 things. But if you're doing 10 of those things this year at 50%, that's actually not as productive as a leader. You won't even be, you know, graded as well as a leader as if you do five things at 100%. So we have to understand that we tend to think as humans, especially as leaders, especially if we're high achieving, that we can take on more and more and more and more, and we can do more than the average person, and we can work faster, and we don't need as much sleep. And we tell ourselves all these things, and then it feeds our ego because our culture is like, oh man, Michelle, she can do everything. You just pilot on her. She just can do it though. She always shows up, you know? So then it feeds our ego. And then until it breaks, right? Until we exactly, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So yeah. it's you know, it's one. I train women all the time, and I train my trainees and the people that I I work with. It is better for you to say no to something and focus on the work product that you have, and just finish it. Take it across the finish line. Really do a great job at that yeah. work product. Then taking on ten things. And then never even following through with two or three of them because you don't have the capacity. Yep. Yep. I, I and love boundaries are how we do that. Boundaries yeah, are the yep. key. Yep. 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 And I love I love in the book how you talk about your car. <laughs> right? And putting your priorities in the seats in the car. Yes. I just love that. It's a great metaphor. Yeah. Because that really helps you right size and be very intentional around what you're going to prioritize. And we prioritize, we have a big three, Mm -hmm. you know, we've really done a lot of work in our company around minimizing the number of objectives we're going after, you know, uh, each quarter, each year. Um, And we have a big three, but I just really love that even at the, you know, at the personal level and at the business level, right? Like there's two components to that. So Yes. Do you want to say a little bit more about that? Because I just think it's it's just such a great way. Yeah, to you know, the, it. it's funny. The car analogy is very controversial in this book. <laughs> Every time <laughs> I give a talk, somebody brings it up, and they're like, "I just don't get it." So the car, the, the car I totally analogy, get it. <laughs> you, you all get it. Okay. Well, it's basically that you know, for many years, I started out in my career and I just kept adding to my plate. And every time someone would ask me to do something, I thought, this is great. I'm, there's very few women in my space. I'm in a male dominated environment. I got to show up, right? Like I got to say yes. And I got to show up at 150%. And I just kept adding and adding and adding. And it took me about 10 years to burn out and in 2013. And then I realized like, I am doing all of these things that I don't even want to be doing or like to do simply because I'm doing them to fulfill someone else's expectation or because I think I should. Mm -hmm. And I thought, you know, the rest of my life, I'm going to have the same capacity, so to speak, to achieve the rest of my life. Um, there, it's not like every year of your life, you, you get 26 hours a day and then 27 hours a day, right? Or you, or you suddenly have more capacity or more energy. And it struck me that it's like a car and I am in the passenger or I am in the driver's seat of my car. And there's really only three other seats there. It's a four seater car. And I'm driving that car for the rest of my life. And there's only room for three other people. Now I can 
invite in, as I did for the first 10 years, uh, 20 things in that car. Everybody else gets smashed. My family isn't happy. My health isn't a priority. It is such an uncomfortable ride, and we don't get very far. Everyone's mission doesn't get very far. But if I let out those other passengers and I focus every year on three other things, that's pretty much it. Um, I am probably not going to burn out. I am going to have a comfortable ride and I'm going to make sure that the other three things in passengers in my car get to their destination and get to their destination well, that I do a good job and I deliver. Mm -hmm. So for example, when I was writing this book last year, I did not do any academic publications. I did not publish in anything. I didn't do any research on anything. The old me would have tried to do all that, felt terrible, probably missed deadlines, half delivered. And now I just realized like, no, I got to let out of the car all academic productivity and I'm letting in the car this book. It's going to be one of my top three this year. So just remembering that your capacity to produce is really the same every year unless you are going to burn out. Yeah. Yeah. I just love that. It just makes so much sense for me. (laughs) So let me ask you this. Um, Are you noticing generational differences when it comes to setting boundaries? And what are you noticing about that? Definitely. Uh, I don't know if you all have noticed this, but the millennials are very good at setting boundaries. They're actually, I think, raised with the right view of this is what is most important to me. And they do not have any question about their why. Um, I don't think they have the same type of work conflict um, ethically that we do with our work effort and our work ethic. You know, those two things we kind of think are are, are cinema or are are the same Mm -hmm. in our kind of generation. Like if I put 100%, 200% effort, I have a strong work ethic. But I think it's very different for millennials, and they're very good at setting boundaries. They are obviously a younger generation. They may not be as good at understanding how to deal with the backlash because they'll just say no and don't realize that there is a generational difference in expectation. But I have learned a lot. I mean, I use my daughter as an example. She's uh, not a millennial. She's a Gen Z, I believe. But she is better at boundaries than I am. I mean, she will literally say, I'm not doing that with any of you tonight. I'm tired. I've had a long week. I'm staying in my room and going to give myself a manicure. And I'm like, wow, I need to learn from you. (laughs) You have no problem setting boundaries. You know, she's very aware of her own capacity. And she will Mm -hmm. just say, I'm not doing that. So I think that it's good in, in a way. I think the problem is when there's differences and we, we have, you know, great uh, differences in age groups and generations in a team. And we have to be able to express what is really going on. That just because someone set a boundary doesn't really, doesn't mean they don't have a good work ethic. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's somebody else's standard being imposed on them, right? Or what we've been indoctrinated with uh, from a different generation, right? And they, and I think, and I might be wrong, I'm just, this is just coming off the top, but right, they learn from us. They saw us burn out, work forever, right? Work on weekends, work all the time, having work at home. And they're like, 
uh-uh, I don't want that, right? <laughs> like, that's not how I want to live. And as every generation should and has seen what their parents have gone through, tried to elevate, go to the next level, right? And we'll continue to see that. I mean, that's just, I think, a natural occurrence that we experience, right? And just respecting yes. They want a they want a better way of being in their lives than than we absolutely than we role modeled for them. <laughs> they're stressed out. Now parents. they're role modeling for us. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Well, Sasha, you end your book with the nine boundary rebel truths, and we loved all nine of them. We thought they were great, and uh, just for the sake of time, we thought we could dive into a couple of them for our listeners. And one of them is that boundary rebels accept words. For them, not words to them. Tell us a little yes. bit about that. You know, this was a huge lesson for me in just being on social media and having a voice on social media. You will get a lot of negative backlash and you will get sometimes, you know, just vitriol thrown at you and it can be really hurtful. And I have a good friend who, a very wise friend, uh, Cy Wakeman, who said to me once, um, I was telling her about something somebody said that was really hurtful on social media to me. And she said, well, why are you getting so upset? That word was for you. That word was, you know, to you, but not for you. Yep. And she said, not every word to you is for you. And yep. I was like, Oh, it was such an aha moment. Yeah. And I thought, you know, that is so wise about, if you put it in the context of boundaries, yeah. about putting boundaries around whose words or whose actions we allow to affect us either emotionally or physically. And we all work in stressful environments, especially those of us that work in healthcare. It's so stressful. There are emotions running high at times. And there may be people that say a word to you but you get to determine if that word is for you or not. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I think being a boundary rebel and being really strong in your boundaries and saying, I'm not going to let someone else's anger or off-camera poor behavior affect and ruin my day and affect and ruin my confidence about myself or the way I see myself today. And that has taken me, I'm still working on that, to be honest with you. Yeah, I'm still, sure. I still have to work on that and remind myself like, okay, this word is to you, but this word is not for you. Um, and I'm not saying we shouldn't accept criticism. I talk about that in the book, how to accept feedback from people who have our best interests in mind. Certainly we should be open to feedback, but when it's something that is, does not come from a place of good intention or is just to undermine our confidence or shake us up or is the projection of anger or insecurity, we have to see that those words are to us, but not for us. Yeah. 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 I think it goes back to the, like for, for me, what this reminds me of is, you know, nothing has any meaning except the meaning I give it. Mm. Yeah. Right. So I choose what those words mean to me if they mean anything to me, right? It's up to me to make those decisions that somebody else's comment is their interpretation, right? And I can make my own interpretation uh, around that. So I love that. Yeah. What, what it made me think of is um, I love the book, The Four Agreements. Mm -hmm. And one of them is don't take things personally. 
And it, it, it helped me, too, to realize just because that person said that doesn't mean I have to take any ownership or take it personally. And um, it's, it's, we can make meaning of it, of that we want to make meaning yep. of it. Yep. Yeah. It's yeah. really important right. to boundary setting. Because if you get caught up in that, you'll be all over the place. <laughs> well, you'll, you'll bring your boundaries down. Yeah, right? you will. It'll, you'll bring your boundaries down and overcommit. You to let the boundary down. And yeah. that's not going to serve you in the long run, right? Correct. Yeah. So good. It's so good what you just said about not taking things personally in it. It's something I think we have to work on the rest of our lives. I know I do. You know, you know, you want to be a person who is a good team player and receptive to feedback, but at some point you have to not take things personally. Yes. Yep. Yep. So true. Okay. The other um, rebel truth uh, that we wanted you to talk about was. Boundary rebels keep showing up despite setbacks. You know, I think we have this unrealistic expectation, especially as women leaders, that every year we should just be ascending personal growth and professional development. And we should have stronger relationships and more skills. And our our home life should be, you know, perfect every year. And our, you know, we just, we just have all this pressure on us. And the truth of the matter is that most of us in healthcare work in healthcare around 35 years. That's a long career. And every year we are not going to have major growth and stellar, you know, achievements. We may feel really beat down in some years. And we may feel like we are not gaining ground or we have just taken major steps backwards. I want to normalize that and say, that doesn't mean that you can't set a boundary tomorrow if you completely failed the last month to honor any boundaries. I think it's normal to have setbacks and to have years of your career or months in your career or in your personal life where things are just not going well. And boundary rebels don't give up, <laughs> you know, they, they stay in the game. They're like, okay, you know, I've had, I've had months where I'm just like, I have not honored any of my boundaries this month. I haven't exercised. Where did exercise go? All of a sudden, four weeks later, I haven't exercised. Um, all of a sudden, two months, two months go by and I haven't gone on a dinner date with my husband. And I'm like, what, what is going on? You know? <laughs> And I think we just have to give ourselves immense grace and say, okay, back on the wagon tomorrow. Tomorrow I'm going to honor my boundaries and just take it one day at a time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it's dynamic, right? Yeah. Life is dynamic. <laughs> it happens. And I think it's, you know, so one of the things that we do with leaders is give them the tools to kind of help have that vigilance in their life, right? To be mindful of the choices that they're making so they don't get to those places where it's been months since they've done something and and, and to honor these boundaries that they're setting for for themselves and keep that that dynamic balance kind of going. Yeah. So yeah, I, I just we find that with leaders too, right? Like it yeah. just it happens. And, and with ourselves. Like we're at a mm-hmm. we're at a right now we're on a busy travel. All of a sudden travel's picking back up again. And so I'm relating to you. Like mm-hmm. I haven't exercised the last couple of weeks, but it doesn't mean I'm you know, we're not gonna do it tomorrow. So it's just but I'm doing other things on my personal mm-hmm. side. So you just, I guess our whole thing is you don't drop everything. Yeah. 
You got to keep something you gotta going, keep right? Something, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, what a lovely conversation! It's been so great to to, um, to have you here and have you talk about some of the content in your book. And oh my gosh, we could spend another couple hours. There's so much value there. Yes. Uh, but now we're at the missing question. A phase of our interview. And this is where, you know, we talk a lot about, you know, your book and kind of your professional experience and that, but we want our le- our listeners to get a, a kind of a, some insights on who you are as a person. So we're going to ask you the missing questions and no, no pressure, no stress, <laughs> not anything, no rocket science here, just really easy stuff. Okay. I just want to get to know you a little bit. So the first question we have is what's the best part of living in Omaha, Nebraska? Oh, probably no traffic. <laughs> <laughs> That comes from a traveler. (laughs) I have zero tolerance for traffic. I mean, I go to other cities all the time and I go, this, if I had to deal with this on a daily basis, I would have be on hypertension medicine because I cannot handle this. Like I, and it's funny, we have, you know, surgeons and anesthesiologists I work with all the time that move here from, you know, other big cities and they're like, there's no traffic here. I'm like, I know. <laughs> like, if you can get anywhere, we say, in the city in 20 minutes, it is the best thing about the city, in my opinion. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's great. It's perfect. Okay. So the second question, we know you value keeping your boundaries when you're on vacation. So what's the next vacation you have planned and with who? Oh, I'm so excited about this. So in December, my husband and I are going to be celebrating our 25th wedding anniversary. Well, we actually celebrated it last month, but we haven't had time to celebrate it. So we're (laughs) going to go for a week in December by ourselves and we are going to Hilton Head Island, which is our favorite place. And we are spending a week just by ourselves doing absolutely nothing. I cannot wait. (laughs) Oh, that'll be awesome. That's great. Oh, good for you. That is something to look forward to. Oh, definitely. Definitely. And just that, you know, time away with your husband, right? You've yes. got four kids. I'm sure that that is just like precious time, right? For you it to is. just reconnect it with is. each other. And yeah. Aww, yeah. How and we go, we go to Hilton Head every year, but we always take them. And um, I got to say, I'm so excited we're not taking them. <laughs> <laughs> and that's okay. And that's okay. Right? That's all right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, and there, you know what? I'm sure you've got something incredible planned for them and they'll be having just as much fun without being with you Absolutely. as you're going to have without being with them. Right. Yeah. <laughs> of course. Of course. Yeah. yeah. Oh, oh, wonderful. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. All right. So now for our wrap up question. So as you know, Sasha, we teach leaders about polarity intelligence and it really helps them understand the both and that exists in many, you know, dimensions in their life and that polarities are interdependent pairs or points of view that seem opposite, but they're connected. And um, also that we have a preference poll, that they're both equally important, but we can tend to maybe lean one way more than the other and that that can they can change over time too as we evolve and we change so i'm going to ask you about a polarity and we want you to tell our listeners what your preference poll is and the polarity is being and doing Hmm. cool that's a hard one (laughs) i would say 
earlier in my career, it would definitely have been doing. Um, and it still is my default. So I think I probably, my neurons go to doing, Mm -hmm. but as I've gotten older, I really respect more being. It's harder for me to just be, it's really hard, but it's where I feel like the most depth and the most creativity comes from when I just am. Yeah. 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 That's great. Yeah, yeah, that is. They're both important. Well, high achievers are doers. So yes. it's a natural thing, right? It's just a natural thing. And the thing is just to be aware of it, right? Yeah. That's that's all. There's no right or wrong around a preference. It's just knowing that awareness because there's a blind side to it, right? You can, mm. you can um, miss the negative consequences that are associated with that if you overdo. Oh, I right? love Which that. is all about what you're talking about, yeah. right? Like yeah. that overdoing... It has a negative consequence. Yes. And Absolutely. so you need to have that good balance of, of both. So, and you need yeah. to have boundaries to be, to, to have both, right? <laughs> you to, do. Yeah. So it's all Not connected. Not overdo it and be enough. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Perfect combination of polarities and boundaries. There you go. Meant to be. Oh, Sasha, it was just so great. Uh, We're so excited to have you in the show. Yeah. It was a great conversation. We're excited about your book. Yep. Uh, we certainly will be sharing it with our audiences, and they'll all hear it on the podcast. Yes. And uh, so just really thank you. I don't know if you want to say any closing words before we wrap it up today. Well, I'm so thankful for you both, Michelle and Tracy, just for having me on and the work you do. It is really critical. I I think that medicine is, and healthcare is such a wonderful field and we need the best and the brightest. So the work you do to keep us here and keep us well is so important. I would say if I have one last piece of advice is that to give yourself grace and give yourself space when you're setting boundaries, because you won't do it perfect. It will be hard. You will get backlash. You will feel uncomfortable, but just remember those two things, grace and space. And typically it'll get easier every time you do it. Yeah. Oh, that's great advice. That's wonderful. That's great advice. Oh, and to all of our listeners out there, thank you for joining us again for another awesome episode of Healthcare's Missing Logic podcast and stay safe and healthy and we'll see you next time. Bye. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Healthcare's Missing Logic podcast, now a top rated podcast for healthcare leaders. Please share this podcast with other healthcare leaders and anyone else you think would benefit. We are certain that if you found value in it, they will too. If you haven't already done so, please hit that subscribe button so you don't miss any episodes. And also, it would mean the world to us if you took a quick moment to leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast player. It helps to get the word out about our podcast and incredible guests. Be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel if you want to watch our podcasts. You can also follow us on our Missing Logic social media channels, LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Until next time.